0: Hey, good to see you all tonight. It's good to be here. Good to see your faces, and uh, such a wonderful thing to be back together as we've been enjoying this for a couple of weeks now. Looking forward to our time tonight. If you'd like to read ahead on Sunday, we're going to be looking at. We'll get back to the Book of Acts. We'll look at Acts chapter 27. If you'd like to read the whole other chapter, we'll get on the boat and go for a journey with Paul. So, encourage you to read ahead in that also. Uh, Today I recorded a bit of an update on what's happening with the building. If you weren't here, uh, Sunday, I just kind of glossed over it. Uh, I got a little excited on Sunday. I was uh, uh, glad to be here and glad to be talking some trash on what's going on in our world. So, um, you know, we're going to be here through the month of July, too. So we're thankful for that. And I gave a little update on what we're looking at beyond that. So if you'd like to go to our app, you can see it there and go to the Facebook page of Uh, CCT, You can see it there on Instagram. It's there. Or you can wait till Sunday and I'll tell you again then. But I don't want to take up the time uh, this evening. So would you welcome with me, please, our very dear friend, Don Stewart. (laughs) Don, great to see you. (laughs) <laughs> that it? No. Oh, okay, yeah. no, we stop it. No, okay, that's okay. All I all don't know how, I forget how it goes.
1: It's uh, Everybody does it differently. Don, welcome. Oh, it's nice to be here. It's nice to see the faces again of the yes, people of yes. Calvary
0: Chapel of Tustin. Good, yeah. oh, I want to, good to see you guys. They're wonderful. This is fabulous. Don, before we jump in, you got something going on with James Cadiz, our dear brother? Oh, yeah, yeah. Tell uh, us about that, would you? Yeah, we've done a...
1: Um, James approached me to do a... Um, Weekly radio program called, and we've called it Countdown to Eternity. The number two, and we're doing it um, half hour uh, a week, playing on weekends now. Uh, also on OnePlace.com. That's the Salem Network uh, kind of place where you can look at the programs. And so we've we've done three weeks now of that. So it's nice getting back in radio, Barry. And so yeah. James asked me to do it, and I said sure, you know. And so we're doing that. So we're very excited about that. So
0: yeah, good. OnePlace.com, it's a great resource, kind of like his channel, only strictly audio. You can go there, and there's a ton of preachers on there. They filter pretty well. There's not any fringe stuff on there, so it's a good, trustworthy site. So uh, check that out, and you can listen to uh, Don and others, and I think you'd be encouraged and blessed. And Don, um, as we have been, I think we need to talk a little bit about what's happening in uh, the world before we jump into some of the <laughs> questions and let me just start with this i think you know there's there's something that we have talked about before i know you've covered it on uh, uh, breaking news every day uh, on his channel we've talked about it mike and i have talked about in a world news briefing and that is you know the obvious plan that the uh our governor and others have uh, to basically ride this covid 19 thing out and, Don, there's a story that caught my eye today, today. And it's these 14 states hit their highest seven-day average of COVID-19 cases in Alaska, Arizona, Arkansas, California, Florida, Kentucky, New Mexico, North Carolina, Mississippi, Oregon, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, and also the territory of Puerto Rico. So, uh, Don, I, I think we were expecting this, uh, especially after... Uh, there, there's one positive. Let me just say this, first of all. We expected there to be a report on a rise in cases after the churches opened up, of course. so they could blame it on us. Well, they can't blame it on us anymore. Oh no. After millions of protesters squeezing in shoulder to shoulder all over the country.
1: Yeah, what's interesting though, in Minneapolis, in the last two weeks, that cases have actually gone down. In Minneapolis, Minnesota, you think of any places they go up, it's there because they weren't social distancing. If you probably watched that when they were rioting, even though the mayor and the governor said, please keep six feet apart as you riot. But, uh, well, he said protest, but same thing, you know, so, uh, yeah, and so it yeah. is interesting to see, we're not surprised, and, um, you know, this is so predictable, isn't it, Barry, and so we've got, what, 21 days from the time, what was it, a week ago, Sunday, where the governor of our state is going to evaluate whether the churches can stay open, whether we can increase the amount of people coming in here, whether we, um, or what, what we're going to do, so it's going to be real interesting, isn't it?
0: Pharaoh's is going to rule on the church. Pharaoh will rule, on yes. The, on the church. So let it be written,
1: so let it be it, yeah. done. Right? Yeah. Was, yeah.
0: So. And Don, I think too, you know, when we recognize that the Bible talks about a state of deliriousness <laughs> that is <laughs> yes. going to be sent from the Lord, you know, obviously it will reach its culmination during the tribulation period, where they believe the lie of the Antichrist that he is God himself. And you know, I know there are some things that, as you often say, you just can't make this stuff up. Exactly. And there are things that are beyond belief that are the realities that we all have to live in today. And and one of the things I thought was really interesting, we saw, you know, the president was accused of going over to St. John's Church, which had been burned uh, during the, the riots mm. and uh, taking a picture. Uh, guys like Al Sharpton uh, said, I've never seen a man hold a Bible like that. <laughs> and um, I thought the caption should have read, I've never read the Bible. Um, <laughs> or never held one. Yeah, uh, yeah or yeah. held one. but. You know, yeah. the, the way the president was attacked for yeah. holding up a Bible in front yeah. of this church, it has such a, a significant part of history uh, in our country and the relationship with uh, presidents throughout the past. But one of the things I found to be curious is this eight-minute and 43-second bow the knee uh, that took place with all the Democratic uh, senators and Congress people. And, you know, this uh, garment that they wore, this kente cloth... Yeah. I I saw somebody posted something online and I wanted to do a little bit more digging into it. And the interesting thing about it was in the uh, the research I found was in the 17th century, the Akan people of modern Ghana started to transform their small chiefdom into an empire which they called the Ashanti or Asante. They expanded their territories by waging war with neighboring peoples and soon captured many prisoners of war. Uh, These captives were then sold off to European slave traders who would take them to the plantations in the Americas and the West Indies. And starting in the uh, 18th century, the Ashanti Empire started to accept guns in lieu of gold as payment for every slave they sold to European slave traders. And the kinte cloth was a traditional garment worn by Ashanti royalty. Mm -hmm. So these delirious Democrats wore a symbol of those who sold their own people into slavery and thought that this was something positive. I, I don't know, Don. I have to say, you just can't make this you stuff can't up. You can't
1: make this stuff up. What? Can, you don't need to say anything else after that, but what can you say? It is beyond, beyond ridiculous. Yeah, what, we'll
0: yeah. Uh, somebody obviously uh, didn't do their homework. They didn't, well, yeah.
1: that's not unusual in Washington, D.C., is it? Uh,
0: And Don, it's it's interesting too that we've been introduced to a lot of terminology that maybe we weren't uh, familiar with. I think uh, all of us have uh, gotten some lessons in biology and microbiology and learned about terms like herd immunity and other uh, things in relation to the uh, coronavirus and its spread and uh, we've had pandemic defined for us and the distinction from that and an epidemic and all these other things. And, you know, we've also been introduced to some language regarding What's going on in our culture, and I wanted to introduce that previous story, because Don, we are fighting not just uh, political parties; we are fighting an ideology. Yes. And one of the things we've been learning about of late, and hearing about of late, is cultural Marxism. Yes. And uh, just seeing this uh, progression into our own country, and how it's manifest ourselves in the young people by penetrating, uh, you know, the uh, collegiate system and our universities. Then looking back to the history of the, you know, the Frankfurt School and in, in, in Germany in 1933, it was made, yeah. you know, the, the um, yeah. cultural yeah. Marxists were mainly Jews. Yeah. And of course, 1933, being a Jew in Germany was not exactly no. a, a good thing. So they migrated to New York and then planted themselves in Columbia University of all places. Mm-hmm. It seems like there's a president that went to Columbia University that uh, has some Marxists, yeah. uh, not some, but... Is clearly a cultural Marxist, and you know, so we're really seeing, uh, as he stated in his first campaign, his goal was Obama's—that is, was to fundamentally change America from the republic that we are to a cultural Marxist country, uh, socialistic in nature, and all the other things. So, you know, the the war is is spiritual, obviously at its core. But Don, are are, are we in trouble?
1: In a word, yes. Okay. Uh, you want me to expand on that? Yes, please. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we're getting a preview of what could be the future of this country, and hopefully the eyes of the people will be open to see it's not very good. Let's give an example now. There's a six-block area in Seattle, Washington, and it's now taken over by Antifa with armed guards. They made their demands of what they want, okay? They said, you are now leaving the United States of America as you go to this Six-block area in Seattle, and they're not their requests; their demands. Abolish the police force. All right. They want free college, free healthcare, citizenship for every illegal person in the country, and uh, there's a few other things. I don't know if they want swimming pools on that too. But the bottom line is, they're making these demands, and and they're pushing this. If you're, you know, and again, with with guns there, with they're actually making putting ads out for people who will come and be you know, around-the-clock sentries there with armed guards. And so we're seeing something very we've never seen before in this country. Uh, you know, not only with the, the, well, we've seen riots before, but we've never seen lockdowns like we've seen. We, I can't remember, we ever had a curfew here in Southern California? We had, I don't, don't, don't ever remember. remember, curfews nationwide. Arizona had one for an entire week. So we got the curfews, the lockdowns. We've had businesses destroyed. And um, it was, a you know, as you do the stories, you know, on, on World News Briefing, I do on Breaking News. There was one I did a couple weeks ago by a, 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 well, it was a Jewish writer named Jack Englehart. He's an international best-selling author. And he says, you wanted socialism. How's it working out for you? Uh, well, is this something you think anybody in their right mind would want? And I think the answer would be no. We're in real trouble. However, um, I don't, you know, we don't know the way this country's going. You, you just don't know, do you? So it's it's I have people say to me all the time, I just want to wake up from all this nightmare. I want it to be December of night 2019. I just want to believe this is just a long nightmare. It has been a long nightmare, but I'm afraid it's going to continue.
0: I'm afraid so. Yeah, we want to refund on 2020. We sure
1: do, yeah. <laughs> the roaring twenties didn't you get know. well, they got off to a roaring start, but not the way we wanted it to.
0: And Don, you know, I think one of the things that's important for us to always to remember is that things are going to be focused on Israel, yes. specifically Jerusalem. And the Temple Mount will, at one point, take center stage, we know. And, uh, you know, we've got this issue going on regarding the annexation of uh, 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 Judea and Samaria, or as they call it, the West Bank. And there's a lot of exchanges going on. You know, uh, other nations, the UN, other countries getting involved, telling Israel, if you do this, you know, there's going to be consequences for it. And, uh, of course, Mahmoud Abbas is always throwing his hat in the ring. And having some type of derogatory anti-israeli uh, statement you know the threat to establish a palestinian state with the pre-67 borders and all these things and uh, so really don we're seeing not just the the moral and spiritual climate things are heating up continuing to heat up and our attention has been drawn away i think to a degree from what's happening in israel and uh, they are moving quickly toward Uh, something becoming the catalyst for the Ezekiel invasion.
1: Yeah, it really is interesting with, uh, I've been doing stories the last three months almost every day about Iran with the saber rattling that's going on there. There was one week where we had four stories in a row. I don't know if we mentioned this last time here, I can't remember if I did or not. Uh, I don't think so, I think it was only three weeks ago. But what it was, on Monday, they talked about their drones. Now, their drones can go all the way across from Iran into Israel, and be very precise in delivering well, you know, some type of explosive device. The next day, on the Tuesday, they talked about their cruise missiles. You know, Barry, the cruise missiles go along right. the surface, much harder to detect and shoot down. Now, our cruise missiles have got you know greater ability to hit any place in Israel. On Wednesday, they put up a satellite, actually stayed up there, which can be a guidance system there to their cruise missiles that they have. Then on Thursday, he said, okay, you want to attack us? We've just established this new Russian radar for anywhere from 400 to 100 kilometers from the border of Iran. Anything that comes close, we'll be able to, you know, to, uh, to knock it off. And then of course, it was a few months ago, um, I don't know if any of you saw that picture, we've talked about it from time to time, that 18 meter, 59 foot rocket there, some underground place in Iran, that could hold a warhead of uh, one to 2,000 pounds. And as the Ayatollah said, all we need is one bomb for Israel, because it's a small country, and right. we enrich uranium to the place where we can do this. Uh, it will uh, be able to take the country out, and that's, that's their goal. Now we know, the good news is, Barry, we know how the movie ends, don't we? We know they don't that's do right. that, we know who wins. And so we'll see if there's some type of regional war that goes on between Iran and Israel before the Ezekiel 38, 39 invasion there. But it's interesting to watch all these things take place, and you're right. What we have to do, I know you do it, I do it every day, as much as what we are looking at with the COVID-19, with the riots and all that, we need to keep our eyes on where the Bible has its eyes, the Middle East, Israel, what's going on there, because at the end of the day, that's where the action is.
0: Something else going on in Iran too, Don. You talked about it today on your uh, Facebook page.
1: Which one was that? The
0: the Bibles. Oh. The revival.
1: Yeah, this is kind of interesting here. This story is amazing. The fastest growing church in the world is the church in Iran. The revival that's going on there. Bibles for Iran. Were, we promoted that on our Facebook page today. We had we wanted to give some good news finally. Yeah. And this is something that we've been mentioning on his channel, Barry. When we calculate uh, what countries watch the various programs, you know, it's 24-7, we're on his channel.com on programs, you know, literally watched around the world. Iran is in our top ten of viewership worldwide, believe it or not, people from Iran watching that. It's the fastest-growing church, greatest revival in the world, and these people are paying a great, great price. I don't remember if I mentioned it here the last time, but the person that I'm very close to who deals with the underground church there in Iran, it was about six weeks ago, he was heartbroken, Because part of the group that transfers the Bibles, there's a way, he told me the way they do it, I'm obviously not going to repeat it, where they get it from, bring it to Iran. The church, the house church was destroyed and 28 families were murdered, every single one of them were murdered. And because they were Bible-believing Christians, they were murdered because they were bringing Bibles into Iran. And it just broke his heart because one of his close, well, there were close friends, all of them, one of his interpreters there was one of the ones who was murdered. But these people don't give up, Barry. They, uh, he was telling me stories about a couple years ago when a family was being butchered, murdered by the Iranian authorities. They were singing praises to Jesus all the time before before, before they could not sing any longer. So it's a battle going on. It's a battle going on there. But the good news is the Bibles are getting into Iran. The mosques are basically empty. The people are looking for hope. They're, they're gathering together with Christian uh, meetings. In fact, when you guys did the last proximity, I was told by the same person that there was like one meeting there in some church had, had gathered, or when some it was a school building, it's a high school. They had something like 325 people show up out of nowhere to meet to watch you guys, you Amir and, and Jan and Jack, and at the same, and they were interpreting it. Some people could understand, some could, and then they all had to split different directions. And he said the high school principal opened up the school for him. Of course, it was all clandestine, but a couple hundred people watched you guys that time. And isn't that wonderful? And getting no, the gospel out. So it's amazing stuff. So great things are going on, people. Yes, so, that's right. Yeah, thank the Lord for that. Yeah. So.
0: <clears throat> that's why we sing about him being unstoppable.
1: Exactly. You know? It is unstoppable.
0: It is. He's moving all over the world. And Don, it, um, when you were talking about that particular scene, it reminded me. I had somebody uh, come up to me one time. It was a little trouble. It was an Iranian or Persian uh uh, two young women that uh, were concerned about the comments I had made about Persia and Mm -hmm. what was going to happen with them and their invasion of Israel. And I think it's important to note that the Persian people are wonderful people. Fabulous people. And uh, we're talking about the governmental system there, the Ayatollah and and all of his minions and uh, their desire to basically eliminate Israel, uh, wipe out the great Satan, which is the United States, and the little Satan, uh, in their minds, which is Israel. So, hey, we're thankful that uh, God is moving there in a tremendous way, and uh, people are getting saved.
1: Yeah, we really are, and we have to make the distinction, the the Persian people are fabulous people, it's the armies that are gonna be destroyed, the leadership there, but not the people themselves of the country, they're gonna, when God comes and not only wipes out the army, he's gonna take, over some of their like the command and control center the mosques destroy them but not the entire country because as many bible believing christians are there as there are in china over 100 million christians bible believers in china so that's why we always say if you watch me i always say it's the chinese communist party coronavirus it's not the chinese coronavirus it's the chinese communist party coronavirus they're the ones behind all this this evil regime of xi jinping this evil leadership very But in the country, wonderful Christian believers, wonderful Christian believers in Iran. We thank God for them. And, you know, they they pray for us, believe it or not, here in America that we'll wake up. And so, uh, um, yeah, we need to uh, remember to pray for them and encourage them.
0: Amen. And, Don, um, interesting, this story about the annexation. This uh, article uh, that was just uh, out today said that last month, all the major Christian churches in Israel, apart from evangelical Christians and around the world, uh, have basically condemned Israel for their efforts of annexation. And, uh, you know, this kind of opens up our, our first question. And uh, I just wanted to cover something. Somebody threw a question out about the Q&A I did with Amir yesterday in the dividing of the sheep and goats. And who goes in uh, to the millennium? And after the second coming, when the sheep and the goats are divided, uh, the people that are going to populate the millennium are the sheep, are those who uh, treated Israel favorably, and they will go into the millennium in an unglorified state. And thus, natural human beings will populate uh, the millennial kingdom. They'll have children. And thus, uh, there will be sin because not all children are going to make the decision. There's sin even in believers' lives. <laughs> Tell the person next to you, you're a sinner. No, <laughs> don't do that. Uh, we sin, right? We do. Yeah. So here these are believers. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, they're, uh, they survive the tribulation. They go in. Uh, two and they're divided. Uh, to the millennium, they're divided by uh, their treatment of Israel and you, you know what you did to the least of these, my brethren. And uh, Don, this is where I think the question comes in. We got a couple questions about you know people. Um, you know they they think this or believe that they believe Jesus is the Messiah, but they reject that or they reject this. And you know, I found this interesting in this question in particular because you know here you've got uh, at after the second coming. After the tribulation, you've got the sheep and the goat divided based on their position on Israel, and now here you've got uh, the major all major denominations in the United States and around the world condemning Israel for their annexation of a piece of property that God gave them all the yes. way back in Genesis, and so that begs the question, Don, you know, is uh, of course we must be born again, we must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, but is is belief simply a uh, cognitive recognition or are there other things that we can expect like when jesus said when the spirit comes he'll teach you all things and paul admonished the church that you should all speak the same thing and you know there are several questions about my son or my uh, brother-in-law or whatever you know they're just kind of yeah i'll take i'll take heaven but i don't want anything to do with the rest is that a, a safe position to take it this time or any other?
1: Okay, the the Bible is real clear. There's one way to get to the one God through the person of Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through him. When you become a Christian, you, you, you do change, you know, and some change more than others, but we're a new person, new creation in Christ. And like you said, Barry, during this time, it's going to be unique in the sense that uh, Uh, God is working directly now with the nation Israel. There are three major witnesses during that time, the 144,000 that are there, Revelation chapter 7. uh, Revelation chapter 11, the two witnesses who will testify to the truth of God's word. Then Revelation 14, 6, the angel that preaches the everlasting gospel in every language in the world going on and, and talking about it. And so one of the fruits of being a believer in Jesus at that time, they call tribulation saints, is the way they will treat the Jews, God's people, because they will understand that God is working now through that distinct group, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, during that period. So it isn't like a works righteousness. In other words, I'm not saved because I do this, but because they know the Lord. They will do this. They understand. Because burying in that day, you're going to make a stand. I mean, it's getting to be like that here in America now, uh, good versus evil, but even more then because on the pain of death, whether you take the mark of the beast or whether you do not, and you know the consequences, well, the same thing's going to happen there. If they really follow Jesus, they're going to reach out and take care of those that are his people who are going to be the distinct people amongst others that enter that thousand-year period.
0: Yeah. Don, could we go as far as to say that the, the Holy Spirit is going to place within you a, an understanding of the role of Israel?
1: Yeah, I, I believe so. And not only that, the Holy Spirit will place that, but I think that's part of the message that will be preached. during. Remember, these 144,000 are Jews, Jewish believers that come there. The two witnesses most likely are Jewish. You know, uh, who they are is a good question. But the point is, they will have an understanding of what's going on, they will be told. And what's also fascinating, too, as we read Revelation, we've taught through it many times, even the unbelievers will know what's going on. they know what's That's the wrath right. of the Lamb, won't they? What will be the response, Barry? Yeah. They won't... Uh, who,
0: who will hide us? Uh, you know, they call out to, the, to creation.
1: Exactly. Who will
0: hide us from him who sits on the throne and the wrath of the Lamb? So they know it's the Father and Son, you know, working cooperatively together, pouring out the wrath of God on the world. Yeah. And yet, it, rather than repenting, they're calling out because they've already followed that Romans prog- progression, where they're worshiping creation or the act of creation uh, rather than the creator. So they call out to the the geological uh, area that they're in to cover them from him who sits on the throne.
1: Exactly. In other words, there's no ignorance at all, is there, at that time? Everybody knows the choices they're making, and that's the key. And these people know that it's God the Father, God the Son doing this, and yet they still won't repent of their sins, even though they know the Lord is there, he's true, and he's the one pouring out his wrath upon them. Amazing.
0: Yeah, and Don, probably my favorite question of the 40 questions we had come in, um, and it's in relation to the rapture. And I know this will be everybody's favorite question out there: is what's taking so long? <laughs> Amen. Amen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and let me follow that up with another question. Somebody asked about signs of the rapture. Now we know the rapture is presented as an imminent doctrine, mm-hmm. and because of our pre-tribulation position, you know we also know that there are things that uh, once we start seeing things that are going to develop fully inside the tribulation period that we ought to be expecting and living uh, expectantly yeah. for that glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. So you know Don there may not be anything uh, and so uh, maybe you can explain the doctrine of imminency as it relates to the rapture as uh, it's widely interpreted.
1: Yeah imminent means he can come at any time. Um, That's been the hope of the church for the last 2,000 years. We don't put a time limit on it. We don't say it has to come in 50 years. People made that tremendous mistake. They made it in 1948 when the modern state of Israel was reborn. They gave God a time limit, either 40 years. uh, A generation was supposed to be 40 years. So they did 1948 to 1988 minus seven years the raptures in 1981 people were believing that seriously taking out long-term loans uh, on that figure I never have to pay them back people had the rapture rush getting married at that time because the Lord's coming back never <laughs> happened right because we don't want to limit we can't limit God in that way but eminency means he could come we're uh, ready at any moment you know for him to come but but the rapture is a signless event. And as Barry said, there's a number of events that will take place after the rapture of the church that we see the stage set for those right now. They're all in place. And uh, the, the only couple that aren't in place are moving towards being in place. And so it could literally happen, Barry, at any time. Yeah. But this is in God's sovereign, it's His call. You know, we would like to see it tonight, wouldn't we? But there's still yeah. things that need to happen, need to be done. Obviously, we're here. But I think what I like to, if I can take a, a second to preach on this, what I look at, I look at it this way. We're seeing all these things. We're a very unique generation. We're a chosen generation. We're like the generation that saw Jesus come the first time. Uh, for the last 2,000 years, people long to see the days you and I see, long to hear the things we hear, never heard them. We're seeing everything. We're hearing everything. We're watching everything come together right now. That means for some reason, God has allowed us to be here and be his witnesses, to be salt and light. We're held tremendously responsible for that. But the point is, he can come at any time. But there's something else we need to realize. He could come at any time for us. None of us are guaranteed to make it into the, the night either. <laughs> so yeah. the point is, we need to be ready. That's the key, be yeah. ready at all times.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and looking at Hebrews 10.25, we know we have the, basically the mandate, not exactly. to forsake meeting together like we're doing tonight. And uh, then we're given the expression, all the more as you see the day approaching. So, Hmm. you know, the day is associated with the day of the Lord. And so, you know, again, it kind of skips the whole rapture thing. It does. And says, you're going to see the day approaching, though you won't know the day or the hour of the rapture of the church. So, you know, that ought to be a motivation to us to get out there and tell people about the Lord because we can see the day approaching. You know, when you've got the coalition forces that have never been allied together. Never. You know, of the Ezekiel 38 scenario. And, you know, even as, as you and I have been watching this, and I remember when we were doing a World News briefing together, how many times we talked about the fact that who'd have thunk it? Exactly. That ISIS would have been the mechanism to draw, you know, Turkey yeah. and yeah. the Iranians and uh, Russia down onto the northern border of Israel. And then, you know, we know that there was also a couple of nations missing. But then all of a sudden, you've got Russian and Turkish presence in Libya and Sudan. And so now that... Uh, basically completes the unit of the invading forces and uh, so, boy, the day and hour is short. We have to be looking up.
1: Yeah, and not only that, we have the problem with China now and they are drawing the U.S. out of the Middle East because our our emphasis has to be in the Pacific now, which will Basically, like you said, complete the circle. Because Libya has to have an army there. We've got Russia and and Turkey fighting over that. And again, of the two countries, two of them that will be part of the invasion. And that will complete the circle of the invading nations. The US has to be a non-player there. And what, what we're seeing, like Ted Cruz recently said, this, this, this whole century, it's gonna be th- the U.S. versus China is the big battle, so our assets and everything because of Chinese Communist Party coronavirus and the re- re- results of that, we have to concentrate on that. And so our effort, and President Trump has said this, why do we have to guard the Persian Gulf? You know, look, we're not buying any oil from there. Let the EU do it or, or NATO. Why are we there? And you know, take care of it yourself. And because we have a, a greater problem, a greater threat right now, That's China. And one of the interesting things, too, not to get off on this subject, but because if we show any weakness now, Barry, China is uh, ready, willing and able to jump in not only Hong Kong, but also Taiwan to take those over if they think they see weakness here in the United States. So it's a very dicey, interesting period for the U.S. to see what's going to happen with not only the one superpower U.S., but the rising one, China and what takes place. But because of that, that is the catalyst, like we said. We didn't know ISIS would come and bring the Russians, the Turks, and the Iranians to Israel's northern border. We didn't know what would be the Chinese Communist Party, coronavirus, and all that, that brings the US out of the Middle East into the Pacific and you know uh, putting our assets there. So again, you can't make this stuff up, but we knew it was gonna happen. We didn't know how, because we talked about that for years, didn't we? Yeah. One of the problems we had was, Barry and I would scratch our heads about six years ago, Wait a minute, there's going to be an invasion of Israel, and they're not even going to know about it? You've got, I mean, you've got satellite, you know, you know uh, looking at the armies there the, all the time everywhere in the world. If they even make one small maneuver, it's going to be seen. How can they invade Israel and catch them unaware, coming from thousands of miles? Like you said, you saw the last time in Israel, looking over the northern border of Israel, what did you see?
0: Down in Kenitra, there's Russian forces 15 miles from the border, not even that. Yep. Five, six miles from the border.
1: Right, Russian forces. There was a story did the other day where they've got uh, uh, scores of Iranians there in the country, you know, moving yeah. closer to the border uh, in, uh, in Syria, um, close to the Israeli border. Again, uh, years ago when we talked about this, we knew it was going to happen. We didn't know how it was going to happen. We didn't know it was going to take ISIS to bring these countries there, and we didn't know it was going to be the Chinese Communist Party coronavirus and all the – the, the fallout from that to bring the U.S. into the Pacific now and move out of the Middle East. And, of course, uh, with us now being oil efficient, you know, we, we don't need to buy from anybody else. We're the largest producer and exporter in the world. We don't need to get it from there. So what do we need to be there,
0: President Trump's idea? So we'll let NATO and the EU take care of it, right? Yeah, and, Don, as long as we're on the subject, there's another side of that coin where we, as you mentioned a moment ago, the U.S. is going to be silent yes uh, at the time of this invasion, but it's not going to be... Complete silence as far as the international community. Nope, not at all. There are going to be those who question the purpose of the invasion, and maybe you can expound on that. Yeah,
1: what's bit. really interesting here. Again, this is you can't make this stuff up. The uh, the Saudis, the Gulf states, will question what's going on. They'll raise a protest there. And uh, if I can mention my uh, free books here, okay. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, on our website, educatingourworld.com. Most of you know this, but we always have people watching. Um, I have 59 books there that are free, downloadable. You'd you know, you just go to educatingourworld.com it says, uh, download books. You can download any of the 59 books I've written there. I've done a book on Ezekiel 38, 39, which you can download also there. It explains, you know, the players and the scorecard and, and all that. But basically, it tells us what to expect at the time of the end, what we should see and how this, all of this is coming together. And so what we're seeing right now is something that we uh, were wondering about, like, Barry, how is it going to happen? How is it going to take place? And right now we see it right in front of our very eyes, all these things, the stage being set with the U.S. being a non-player in the area. But one of the interesting things in the book, 25 Signs We're Near the End. I mentioned this as an aside because I had one of the signs is who's involved, another sign is who's not involved. And realistically, Barry, if you think about it, uh, all these nations around Israel— you know, hate Israel. They don't want to see them there. But why are certain people like the Saudis and the Gulf states on the side of Israel? Because they've got a bigger enemy and that's Iran. And so the point I'm making from this, what I'm getting to, when you add all that stuff up, <clears throat> there's something like 25 separate things that must be in place before, you know, who's going to be on whose side, this and that. And every single one of them is in place right now. Again, not only who's invading but who's going to protest. So it's incredible how it's all coming together.
0: And it's amazing to even think about that, Don, and how the Bible has foretold that this is going to happen. Name the geographic areas. You know, We can associate back you know, through the Table of Nations and elsewhere with the, the countries that are going to be the invading force. And then we can look again, as you said, at the Arab Gulf states. But I mean, if you really break this down as to how amazing this is, you've got the birthplace of Christianity, the heart of Judaism, cooperating with the birthplace of Islam. Exactly, And, you know, here's that old uh, Isaac and Jacob, or Isaac and uh, saw, Israel yeah. Uh, yeah. battle, yeah. and now cooperating yeah. together. And uh, it's just, it's stunning to even think that that would be a possibility, that he- the Saudis would be protesting an invasion of Israel of all places.
1: Yeah, especially if you know the history of the Saudis there, too. It was 21 of the 25 hijackers in 9-11 were Saudis, okay? Uh, and so they have been very much anti-Israel for the destruction of Israel from from day one. They've been some at the past and sometimes one of the worst enemies of Israel. But now they have turned. In fact, there was a Saudi cleric that said the other day, "We've got to believe it or not, stop the anti-Semitism in the world." Can you imagine? <laughs> from this is I mean, when you know the history of the House yeah. of Saud, there what's happened in, in the last you know what 150 years since it's been in existence, for them to say this, it's literally unimaginable because of the antagonism the hatred that was there until now because the bible says they've got to get together right at least have some type of relationship
0: where they protest and you think how in the world is that going to happen the saudis come on well here it is right now yeah don thinking back to what jesus said about how things are going to progress and him you know using that birth pang Hmm. uh illustration as to how things are going to begin to escalate things will happen in closer proximity to one another they'll be more intense than they were much like labor pains that come upon a pregnant woman. And I, th- I think about this so often. I remember our wonderful guide in Turkey when we were back oh, yeah. in <laughs> Turkey together in yes. 2012. He was, uh, I think he was more actor than tour guide, or maybe it was an equal yeah. uh, portion that he received. But uh, interesting is we, I remember one time we were on the bus, and I think we were in Istanbul, and uh, he pointed at uh, a pair of ladies walking down the street in a full burqa. And he said, you never used to see that. Yeah. So not only have we seen the Saudis flip and be on the side of Israel, you've seen Turkey flip and be anti-Israeli. And all this has happened in 25 years. Yeah,
1: Yeah, we saw it there in 2012, and it was really interesting to watch that sort of thing. Because what we saw was the transition being made. Like I said, there were women wearing burqas before. Because for a hundred years, Turkey was Muslim in name only. After the end of World War One, they changed their language, they changed their constitution. Um, they were the Israelis used to take their vacations there because they're a secular country until Erdogan comes into office in the early 2000s and starts bringing these different religious parties together. They had the the, the so-called coup a couple of years ago which allowed him to put in jail or execute those that would be against him. So now they've turned into something that was Never there, and again, we saw the transition there, like our guide did point out, it out. was really interesting that you're seeing the change there, but the change there was something we knew was going to happen, right, Barry, because something like 10 years ago when we talked about this subject, you know, Turkey's a member of NATO. You know, they were the ones that basically fought against the Soviets in the, was 62 that, that really helped the West there, and now they're, um, you know, aligned with the Soviets, with the Iranians now, and... Uh, just does Again, you can't comprehend that happening. But the Bible says here's where they're going to end up. We couldn't conceive how. Now we see it. It's happened right now in front of our eyes. So you can just check that one off, too.
0: And, Don, um, we've got a series of questions about one that comes up frequently. I know you've heard it uh, multiple times, as I have. And that's regarding the meaning of a generation. You kind of alluded to this earlier. And uh, about, you know, 40 years and this and that. And uh, what is it, Psalm 90 talks about, uh, you know, 70 Reason of strength eighty and all these other calculations. So, what is it that we can understand generally about the meaning of that statement that Jesus made concerning this generation shall not pass away all right. until all these okay. things take Okay,
1: in, in context of Matthew twenty-four, Jesus is talking about signs of the end. What will the people see at the time of the end, the sign of His coming? Because remember, they were asked for a speci- he was asked for a specific sign. First few verses of Matthew 24. Well, he gave a couple of them. One is the abomination that causes desolation, which happens as we know in the midpoint of the final seven year period. Then the other sign of course is him coming in heaven, the sign of the son of man, which no one's gonna miss. Every eye will see him. And he's talking, but he's talking about the future. This generation will not pass until all these things are fulfilled. Well, it certainly wasn't the generation he was talking to uh, simply because that generation didn't see these things. But this is in the context of the last days. And to me, I did a, you know, I've done a lot of work on that. There's a number of different views that good people hold on that. They hold different views whether you can put the generation, do you start, you count time when Israel became a modern state, when the city of Jerusalem was united in 1967? or is that what he's talking about? I don't think he's talking about any of that. I think what he's saying is the generation that sees the thing he just said, the abomination that causes desolation, they're going to see the second coming simply because we know it's a three and a half year period because it's a very tight period of time. So the worst thing we can do, which people unfortunately have done, is start saying, okay, we've got to figure out how many years is it? So we're going to count to 48, we're going to count from 67, uh, whatever those years you count from, unless you make a generation 100 years, it just doesn't work. But that's not what he was saying. In the context there, uh, it's going to happen very quickly, very fast. So to me, uh, when he talks about the sign of the fig tree and all the trees, he's just given an illustration from nature. He's not talking about anything specific with respect to the rebirth of Israel, anything like that. In other words, when it happens, boom, 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 boom. Anyway, that's the way I
0: look at it. And that's the way revolution, uh, Revelation is introduced. Yeah. That things will happen in quick succession again so, And we're seeing that progression escalate uh, as each day passes like so, ever before yeah it's, great? it's yeah. amazing. Wonderful. Don, one of the questions that came up and we've got a few questions about you know what are what are people going to think after the rapture and things of that nature and you know we can't really uh, I've, <laughs> I was sharing some of the questions with Terry earlier and one of the questions was what are people going to think after the rapture? And my one-word answer was, help! I think that's, you know, going to be a lot of that going on. But one of the questions that came up, and I thought it was interesting, and and maybe we can have an opportunity to uh, encourage here, but somebody said, you know, I'm not real strong in sharing my faith. I don't feel confident enough in my knowledge of the word. And, uh, you know, their question was, am I going to be welcome in heaven? And uh, will there be rewards for me? And I'm thankful that, you know, we are getting into heaven by what was done for us, not by us. And I also think we need to remember as we started off with the, you know, the interesting thing that I've always found about the dividing of the sheep and the goats is that there's no mention of doctrine, you know, it's just, what'd you do? What'd you do? What'd you do? And, uh, you know, of course, doctrine is important. We know we live in a time where sound doctrine is not endured, but, you know, I think especially for those and for someone who says, you know, I'm not confident in my biblical knowledge, my ability to communicate scripture and my, my counsel is always, well, you know your story. You know what he's done for you. And, you know, maybe we can't quote addresses and verses verbatim, but you can say, I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind. But now I see he's changed my life. He's changed my eternal destiny. And, uh, you know, Don, that rewards a reality, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, in heaven as well. But what would you say to encourage someone uh, who's maybe feeling like, you know, they're not getting the job done?
1: Okay. Well, you know, I've talked to people like that all the time. Uh, now that I'm on Facebook, we've got that little Messenger thing and I get about 200 of those a day with questions. Of course, <laughs> I try to answer much I can't, I don't can't realistically. But the point is to encourage people. If you have believed in Jesus, you're in Christ, you're in him. And according to Romans chapter 7, God looks at you the same way he looks at Jesus and his righteousness. So you're positionally righteous. You know, you're covered with his righteousness called imputed righteousness credited to you. So you're as saved as you're ever going to be in one sense the moment you come to Christ. The verse that really encourages me, because I did a, one of the other free books there, in fact, I've two them on the rapture on the site there. One of the points we mentioned is that there were people who, and there you are know, still some today that believe that it's only the spiritual people that will be taken in the rapture, only the mature Christians. Well, the good news is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, written to the church at Corinth, I'm sure you can agree that probably not the most spiritual church around. (laughs) Um, What did he say in chapter 15? We shall not sleep or sleep in death, but we shall all be changed. Every single one of us that believe in Jesus. If you're in Jesus Christ, you're going with him, not because of what you did, because what he did for you, what he's done for us. And so that's the great thing. Once we become Christians, we earn rewards by our faithfulness to his calling. But that's not what saves us or keeps us saved. And so, to, uh, yeah, we've all got a ways to go. We're all under construction here. And I like it, Barry, in one sense when people admit they still have a long ways to go because you've met people and I've met people who think they're already there. They've already arrived. They, they don't need to be taught anything. They need to teach us. And, uh, you know, we've run into a lot of those over the years. Uh, To use uh, one illustration that was used long ago with one of the presidential candidates, Um, you know, they think they've hit a triple, but they were born on third base. They uh, think they're, you know, rounding third base to go home, but they're still not out of the batter's box. They don't understand how far they have to go. In other words, uh, bottom line is if a true Bible-believing Christian, the closer we get to the Lord, the more we'll see the distance between us and him, how far we have to go. So the closer we, the more we know Christ, the more we see our our inability, our you know, our, our sinful nature, but the more we're thankful, too, that he saves us on the basis of grace. The last thing you want to do is try and say, well, God, I have to please you today, tomorrow, the next day, or you're not going to accept me. Oh, no, he accepts you because of Jesus. That's why you're accepted the beloved, not because of what you do and what I do, and that's something we need to rest in. We have been saved once and for all, and now we're, you know, serving god we're being set apart or sanctified uh in our walk with him but that's not what saves us It's not what keeps us saved. it's like the old song barry jesus saves but he keeps too doesn't he
0: yes yes he does and don you know what you just said i think is important because we have a pretty significant movement today and it, it flies under a lot of different banners uh, hyper grace and things of that nature yeah. where uh, antinomianism comes into play and just basically the belief that positional salvation is where the whole thing ends and once you make the confession, believe that Christ is Savior and Lord, then there's no real, uh, there's no, there's no holiness to uh, seek to live by and no uh, moral standard or no life change of repentance is necessary. And so there's some balance between positional holiness and practical manifested holiness, at least in this life, where we're told, you know, to be careful to maintain good works. You know, uh, we're given directives as to, you know, love our enemies, do good to those who hate us. So those are all behavioral changes because that is not something that's natural or akin to our flesh. Loving our in- enemies is not what happens unless no. you have the Spirit of God in you. you know. So maybe you could explain maybe a little bit more uh, about the the importance of recognizing, yes, positionally we are in Christ, all things have passed away, all things have become new. And there's nothing we can do to earn salvation. But, but grace is not, um, you know, just strictly... God's blindness uh, or His divine passivity uh, to to our behavior, and uh, you know it's not that we're trying to earn our way in or any of those other things, but I think there's a lot of uh, mental gymnastics that are done because of some of the teaching today that just eliminate you know any Christian responsibility to try and and live in a manner that's pleasing for God. I always think about what Jesus said in John 8:29: "Always and only do what pleases the Father." And Christ-like by definition, Christian by definition means Christ-like. So shouldn't we try, by the power of the Spirit, to live in a manner that's pleasing to God? And wouldn't that have to be defined?
1: Yeah, you know, it's—I just give you my own testimony. I'd like to hear yours too, Barry. When I became a Christian, I just had my 50th anniversary a couple months ago. Being a believer my life so radically changed I couldn't even imagine doing anything else I couldn't imagine living like I did in the past because I wanted to get out of that life I didn't know how to do it that was the problem I thought well if I keep I've stopped smoking dope each then every weekend I start doing it again I couldn't you know I was looking for a change and then when the Lord basically the metamorphosis the change the, the caterpillar well not the butterfly yet but we're on the process there but the point is, your new creation in Christ, the old things have passed away, new things are, are, are taking place. And I think the best way of putting it, Barry, is like in the early years of Calvary Chapel. I remember one pastor said, it's like we now see the world through our Holy Spirit glasses, that we never saw that before. And we see how, you know, we're new people, we're, we're, we were blind once, we, now we see. And it does change our behavior. Now, some, of course, everybody moves at a different rate. And that's you got to be careful of saying, well, I'm not as, as more spiritual as this person, or I'm, I am more than that one. Again, God works at everybody differently. But when, you, when a person is born again, they have a new nature. And the new nature, you know, is, does not want to sin. It still does, unfortunately, but it doesn't want to sin. It wants to serve Christ. So we should see some type of change in our lives. We should strive for that to please God. I, I guess maybe in my own situation it was never an issue because I was so lost. <laughs> I was so thankful I got <laughs> saved and knew what my life was all about. I never even considered of going. I have never have, you know, the old way. I remember the, the night I came to Christ, it's like uh, never again with drugs. Never again I'll be doing that stuff. And I haven't in 50 years, you know. Uh, never again wondering what's going to happen to me when I die. Never again wondering, you know, what life's all about. And having a peace that's there. And so, why in the world would I give that up? You know, and so that's kind of my, my testimony. Yeah. So, to me, it's, it's uh, not, not, not everybody was as bad a sinner as I was, but uh, but the point is, when we when we recognize what the Lord has done for us, I don't know how you can do anything but serve Him. That again, that, that's just the way I look at it. So,
0: I don't. Yeah, know. and it is a work that God does. And, yeah. You know, it's not like we're striving no. for it in the sense of I better be good. You know, and Don, we have Terry and I talk about this regularly. We just I think of it was just a week or so ago. You know, we had gone to a situation, gone into a situation that used to be our normal, which was going to a club and, and partying and doing all that stuff. And somebody that I worked with after Terry and I had, had gotten our lives straightened out, we're serving the Lord, somebody said, hey, come hear my band. You know, and this was somebody that was a dear friend. And uh, so we went to the place that they were playing, and we couldn't even get out of the car in the parking lot. It was just so, yep. we're not that. We can't go in there. And that wasn't through, you know, s- spiritual discipline and nope. all that. God did a work and he just completely changed us. So, you I think that's an important point. But uh, Don, our next question is kind of interesting. And I want to I want to include this major change of direction here. Sure. But um, I, I think this is so critical because this has been one of, one of the divisive issues in the church that has always been, a, <laughs> excuse me, a mystery to me. Because, you know, it's the least of the gifts, yet it's caused the most problems. And there are some who say, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not saved. And others say tongues is not for today. You know, we have 1 Corinthians 14 that says he who speaks in a tongue talks to God and not men. And then later in the same chapter, it says tongues is a sign for unbelievers. So, Don, maybe you could talk about, and and let me just say, I believe that there is the the gift of tongues, which is to speak in an own language as they did on Pentecost. They heard them all speaking in their their own language, but they were talking to men and not God. Exactly. And then you have the language of, of speaking to God Uh, To where, you know, the prayer is edified, but the hearer is not. So you're speaking in a prayer language. And I believe that there is the um, both Greek word or or the same Greek word is used for both. But I believe that there is the manifestation of the gift of tongues to speak in a known language learned through supernatural means. And then there's a prayer language that is personal to you. That is meant to stay that way. Maybe you could add to that, or yeah, no, that's a, a great
1: one of the one of the books I do have now is a book on it's called Speaking in Tongues. The whole books on that by 150 pages because it's a complicated, you know, issue. And there are good people who differ on something like this. And unfortunately, it's caused division, which it never should. First uh, Corinthians 15 was it, verse 39 says, you know, God is you know everything be done decently in order. This God is not the author of confusion, but of peace in the churches. And so wherever you come down on this, I know there are people watching us uh, that have various views on the subject. But whatever, you, however you come down on it, make sure you know where you are at biblically. Know what the rules are. Know uh, you know the gift has been given. It is not. It's not for everyone. In fact, in one Corinthians chapter twelve, I think it's about verse twenty-nine. There's seven rhetorical questions that demand what well, seven questions that demanded no answer. The way the Greeks stated, uh, it says this: All are not prophets, are they? No, all are not apostles are they? No, all don't have the gifts of healing, do they? No, all don't speak in tongues, do they? No. no. So everybody it's not the gift is not for everyone. If God gives it to you, then it's something that's by his grace. It's a you know, it's a gift that he gives sovereignly as he will. You're not more spiritual if you have it. You're not less spiritual if you don't. That's part of the problem, Barry. There's, you know, because remember, the gift of uh, pride is not one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know that that that's not there. But it seems sometimes to go along with certain people. Think like I can do this or I can do that. No, no, no. Uh, Proverbs 6:16. 6, seven things the Lord six things the Lord hates. Seven things are an abomination to him. First one is pride. And so anybody that thinks that they're more spiritual than someone else again has to go back to the drawing board the verse i always like to quote 1 corinthians 10:12 if anybody thinks he stand better take heed lest they fall so if you think you've made it time to reevaluate and particularly on on the issue of tongues it's a, i would you know i would suggest cuz the things Barry talked about. We go with, through those in detail. I try and give both sides to the question. I come out where I believe, but I'm I've certainly understanding of people who hold a different view. But the bottom line, Barry, it shouldn't be something that divides brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. As you know, there are people, I'm sure, come up to you and uh, with their view on Bible prophecy, this and that. I've mentioned this before. They'll come up to me, and the first thing they'll say is, I'm post-trib. I say, now, is that your first name or your last name? Are you post-trib? So <laughs> or is, or is, you know, I know who to... And, you know, yeah. they not but they want to, you know, want to rise on me. I said, you know, what I say is great. Great.
0: Yeah, that's fine. Aren't you going to fight with me? No, why should I? <laughs>
1: you, know, uh, you know, and no, I won't. No, I, I don't, and I don't. I do not do that. They've tried, but I will not do that. Just like some other, uh, we won't go on some of the other religious systems that are there. They want to fight with you, too. But the bottom line is, look, Bible believers differ on certain things. That's okay. There's seven different views of the rapture that's okay the timing of it that you know if you want to believe something different that's fine but the point is we're still one in jesus and we probably would agree on 98 95 96 98% of you know of christian doctrine why do you want to argue about the 2%? I just have never conceived the reason for doing that, mainly because my initial ministry was on college campuses to unbelievers. And let me tell you, I needed all the friends I could get there. I don't care what you believe on, water baptism, the rapture of the church, second coming. If you believe in Jesus, you're my brother and you're my sister. We've got a, uh, you know, we've got a group out there we want to evangelize and witness to, so we don't want to just you know, limit, uh, we don't want to start fighting among ourselves and shooting ourselves in the foot when we're trying to be the army of God
0: especially when we, we're being known by our love for one another exactly. as Jesus disciples. So. Exactly. Yeah, Don, there's a question. You know, Peter talks about the elements melting with the, away with a fervent heat, and there's a question that came in about the new heaven, new earth, uh, understanding, you know, the, is this just going to be a reconstructed earth a revitalized? Uh, exactly what, I mean, is it all brand new, made again, you know, out of nothing like God started? Or, or what? The, and there's various interpretations yeah, yeah. There too. So why don't you?
1: Yeah, you uh, it? in my book on heaven, I deal with that too. Okay, the whole thing. And there's two views. Some people believe God will remake this earth, and into you know, kind of like what it was in the beginning, without sin and that. Or let's get rid of the whole thing. The heaven and the earth will pa- The universe will pass away. Let's talk about that. And the former things. I, I believe there'll be a, new, a remade a new earth. But some, in other words, it all be everything will be brand new. But some people believe that they're gonna you know remake this earth. Uh, either you can argue either way I think there's better arguments for a, a, a brand new earth particularly the way he talks about that in, in the book of Revelation chapter 20 but the point is when we have this new earth that's there when the new Jerusalem comes down it will be perfect I don't think anybody will care whether it's the old earth remade or <laughs> entirely new earth we won't care about that will we Bear? we'll just be happy we're on it right
0: <laughs> yep and there forever forever on so, it forever thankful for it. that and Don, uh, another question I think that, uh, I think it, it weighs on everybody's mind, especially here in the last days. And somebody asked, does God's moral code pertain to non-believers? And uh, that is the definition or how sin is defined as, uh, you know, by God's uh, moral standards.
1: Yeah, uh, here's the thing. He's given a moral code, and it's called common grace, so people don't kill one another worldwide. There's certain, you know, there's a conscience that people have, even unbelievers, that's, uh, you know, that's seared. The Bible talks about that. But there's something that keeps societies together, at least to a degree, where it isn't total anarchy or total chaos. Now, what is interesting, though, Barry, at the time of the end, that seems to go out the window, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, yeah God leaves the people with their own devices. So you've got that common grace. Well, there's, you know, in people's hearts, you know, wherever you go, societies know that, you know, murder is is wrong. There's certain things, stealing is wrong. That just, uh, societies, you don't have to go and teach them this. They just know this because instinctively God has put it in their heart. Now, the problem is, though, we're, we're not asking people, and this is very important to understand, <clears throat> to clean up their life and come to Christ. No, you come to Christ and he'll clean up your life. It's not a kind of a moral rearmament or moral change that you make. God takes you, just like the Billy Graham song, just as I am, you come with your sin, you come with your fallenness, you come with your weakness, and let him change you. The last thing we need to do is to tell someone, I've heard this before, well, you have to go and change this, your life, stop doing this, start doing that, then come back and come to Jesus. (laughs) No, no, you come to Jesus right now, because once you get to him, you're going to find out even walking with The lord for a number of years there are still things he wants to change in our lives so the idea yeah he's established this moral code worldwide and that's one of the arguments for the existence of god that there is you know there's common knowledge in the world there's certain commands that all societies have about murder about stealing and like that it is universal as it were but that's not what saves people what saves people is realizing i don't match up to it i can't the perfect standard i come short of that that's why i need a savior
0: amen can you guys handle one more question? Yeah? Yep, okay, one more. All right. This is a big one, Don. There's, okay. there, we have a handful of questions regarding the issue. Okay. And um, social justice. We've got a movement within the church where many are, you know, basically, in my mind at least, replacing the Great Commission and understanding the importance of just going to the world and preaching the gospel. And, uh, you know, we've had, you know, different local pastors. Uh, you know, there's a big movement down at that church down in South County about a peace plan that we needed to teach people how to read yep. and, you know, give them clean drinking water and all these other things. And those are wonderful things, to be sure. Um, but, you know, Don, isn't our primary mission not solving the world's problems, but rather leading them to Jesus so they can be saved?
1: Now, I noticed you asked me this question last. Probably you should have asked it first, because, because but no, you're right, I'm just kidding on that We can do this again before you close the No, that's right. You don't have Wednesday nights anymore here, do you? Uh, You're exactly right on that. All right. Jesus called us to be fishers of men, not to clean up the fishbowl, okay? We're to be (laughs) we're we're to bring people to faith in Christ. When you bring a person to faith in Christ, they will change their life. That's what's happened to all of us, right? It's because this is what it takes, a rebirth, being born again, born anew. The whole idea of of social justice, uh, what we hear today, um, you know, again, I don't want to get started on that. But the point is, what changes a life is that relationship with the living God through the person of Jesus Christ. Once we know who we are, why we're here, what's going to happen to us when we die, we start acting differently towards people. We have a moral code, a basis for that. And also, too, we have a confidence that this life is not all there is, Barry, and not a fear of death or the fear of the unknown, Well, there's a natural that to some degree, but we know where, where we're going after this life. And so the whole idea of getting into that and replacing the gospel with how we treat one another, well, look, if how we treat one another is tell them the good news about Jesus. Show them by your actions. Show them by what you do, your good deeds, but also you don't just give them food, you don't give them shelter, you got to give them the gospel too. And that seems to be what's left out, Barry. We're going to help them out here, we're going to help them here with their poverty, this and that. And these are all well and good, but without the gospel, what's the meaning of it? It seems to be meaningless. And that, and you're right, it's been hurtful to see some very high-profile pastors want to replace the gospel almost with you know social justice, with being a SJW, a social justice warrior, with doing good here, doing good there, which we all should do. But that's not our calling. Our calling is to be salt and light, right? To preach the gospel and preach the message of Jesus. Because according to the world, there's only two types of people out there, the saved and the lost. And you want to be in the category of the saved, not the lost. So it's not a color thing. It's not a race thing. It's, it's basically how we deal with Jesus. So it's very harmful to see when people are jumping on the bandwagon now and trying to prove how much more they are more woke than someone else and how much they're more uh, concerned and uh, with others and you know, and that sort of stuff instead of being concerned about what they should be concerned about with. That's telling people about Jesus and preaching the gospel. Because again if you come to Christ your life's going to be changed that's the whole thing. That's going to take the sword out of your heart, the anger that's there and it's going to make you go the extra mile to love one another. And that's the testimony for the last 2,000 years of people who
0: believed in Jesus and that should be our testimony right now. Part 2 Part 2 same question any type of prophetic relationship with this movement within the church
1: ah very good question yeah I think it's going towards Paul talks about having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof remember Jesus talked about people in in leadership in Matthew chapter 7 didn't I do this in your name that in name, Lord, I never knew you. Why? Because they're not really preaching the gospel. They're, yeah, I think we're seeing that big time. I think we're seeing a movement that uh, you remember Jesus asked the question in Luke's gospel when the Son of Man comes, will he find the faith on the earth? Well, to ask the question kind of tells us the answer, right? It's not going to be real big, real huge. And unfortunately, we've got, as you've talked about, Barry, before, uh, like Israel had their own children as teachers. Jesus warned about false teachers, false leaders. That tell people to do good things but that's not the message of the gospel we come to Jesus and so yeah I, I think this is definitely leading people astray and here's the reason why well my religious leader or whatever you might be we, we use the Pope here or the Archbishop of Canterbury that you know the, the Anglican church is the same way the, the organized church in the world basically talks about good works we're all together in this big tent God loves us all the same he's going to take everybody this is universal and some doctrine nonsense that everybody's going to heaven someday and so yeah we're definitely seeing that sort of thing and what's the problem is Barry? people are going to get the idea thinking why please God now because I've done this for him I've done this for others I've reached out like Jesus said and meeting the needs of the poor so certainly he's going to accept me no all have sinned and come short of the glory of God you need a savior I need a savior we can't again we can't make it on our own we've come short of the glory of God the wages of sin is death The free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the message that we preach, not the social gospel. Once we come to Christ, of course, every church I've ever been to the last, you know, X number of years have outreaches to the poor, the homeless, and that they do that naturally because we're being born again. Mm -hmm. But that's not what saves us. That's not what keeps us safe. So, yeah, you're right. If that's your main emphasis, you're really off the track.
0: Don, you mentioned uh, the form of godliness there at the end of that kind of, moral digression that's recorded there in Second Timothy yeah. 3. And I've always found that to be interesting, as you well know. Mm. Form is morphosis. It means to form out of something that previously existed. And then you attach that, but denying the power. Correct. The power of the church is the gospel. So Correct. in essence, you could read that as something forms out of what once existed that denies the power of the gospel. Yep. And I think that uh, pretty much sums up what you were totally. saying. And uh, so, yeah, I think there is a prophetic attachment Totally. Uh, yep. to that. So. Well, we're out of time, and um, Don, thank you for being here, oh, sure. as Thanks always, for me. and uh, just let me mention, as I have in the past, you know, as I as uh, said last time we were together, you know, Don's a free agent now, we need to be supporting his ministry, so you can go to educatingourworld.com, and there's uh, tremendous, tremendous resources, I've never met anybody that, that writes books like this guy, and uh, just, you know, tremendously uh, prolific thank author, you. and and great stuff in every one of those books. So we want to be uh, supportive of him. See, so there's also a donate button there. And uh, so a little shameless plug for Don <laughs> to borrow it. a phrase from him. <laughs> and uh, we want to make sure that he can continue to minister uh, as God leads him. So educatingourworld.com. So thank you, Don. Thank Appreciate you for having being me. here. And
1: it's so good to see you guys, too. Thank you for having me.
0: So let's all stand. <laughs> and Father, we are grateful for your word. We thank you that we can find answers. And Lord, even in the midst of all the things that have various interpretations, we can find truth to hang our hats and hearts on and know that we have found the way, the truth, and the life, and therefore we are going to spend eternity with you. So we're grateful for our time together tonight, and I pray, Lord, that as we go now, that we would be about the Father's business, telling people about Jesus and uh, seeking to rescue them from the death that they uh, are headed to apart from Christ. So we thank you, Lord, for this time together tonight. We pray you bless Don, uh, continue to direct his steps. pray you bless uh, he and James and this new program, that it would minister to thousands and uh, bring glory to your name. So we thank you. We bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen.